And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We don't have another clue for the quiz because Michael from Kurumonga has already snapped it up. You were too slow. Yeah, good on you, Michael and from Kurumonga. We'll see you soon for dinner, hey? <laughs> yeah, yep, that's that. So that's definitely the plan right there. So getting on in today's show, of course, we are back with the book of Revelation, which is just super awesome. Uh, so many things to talk about in this amazing book, and we probably should do a quick review of what we were talking about yesterday in Revelation chapter 1. Yeah, we're going, uh, it was like a blow-by-blow play through Revelations, just starting in the first verse the first chapter and then going through it was really good. Yeah, okay, so the Revelation chapter 1 is really building the foundation for the entire book. Yeah, it's just showing how important the book is and mm-hmm. uh, and the just why it's important and uh, and the blessing that you get from studying it and reading it. So it was really quite uh, inspiring. Yeah. To, it really just makes you want to read it more. And so basically what you've got in chapter 1 is you've got uh, three major three major three major foundations that the Bible is trying to lay, that God is trying to lay as he introduces this book. And the first one is the importance of the book. The second one is the theme of the book. And the third one is the author of the book. Mm. And so yesterday we looked at the importance of the book. Uh, We're going to spend some particular time looking at the theme of the book today. Uh, A couple of other points that we need to get to get through as we sort of head that direction. But um, the the start of it's really quite the invitation, isn't it? It's like an invitation, like you know, you should come, you should read this. This is a yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a plug. It is. It totally is. It's a major plug. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, because it begins by this is the revelation or this this is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Did you get my invitation yesterday? By the way, your invitation to um like that. Big round tin invitation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> ah, Mon is a nut. What can I say? I sent out invitations yesterday to my 40th birthday. Just by the way, I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would like to do the Trans Siberian Railway for my 40th birthday. And I figured people probably going to need about five years to save up for that. So I sent them an invitation along with a big money tin so I could put there. <laughs> Put their coins and their money. It was a pretty decent sized money tin. Yeah, I, I mean, I sent one to my housemate, and he's already put like two hundred and fifty bucks in there. So it's one of those tins you can't open unless you want to destroy it with a, with a can opener. So, Trans Siberian yeah. Railway has 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 been on Mon's bucket list for a long time. Long, now. long time. And uh, okay, fortieth birthday. There you go. Yeah, come on. Mon, Mon, Mon is turning. 40, it's five so years and two up. months away. So I think <laughs> I think we can all pull it together. Come on, invitation people. But yeah, this. Ju- so what are we doing for your thirty fifth? Oh, I'm going to be in Cape Town, so... Okay. Yeah, 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 by myself. But uh, Revelation 1, the first few few verses, it's very much like an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it begins, you know, this is the only book that says, you know, it begins by saying this book, and, the, and all of these points I'm about to make are points that are only found in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. So it begins by saying... Uh, this book is going to reveal Jesus Christ. This is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Then it continues on by saying, this has the signature or the personal autograph of Jesus Christ. It's that important that he has taken the time to place his autograph on it. That's verse 1. Then in verse 2, it says, this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So if, you, if you're not convinced already, you know, it's going to reveal Jesus Christ. It's so important he signed it himself. It's his personal testimony. You know, you know, God is really going out of his way to catch our attention right here. Then in verse 3, you find there is a special blessing pronounced on anyone who reads it and studies it and understands it. These are these are things you do not find in the introduction to any other book of the Bible. No, that's... And then to top it off, then to top it off, and, and, and I want you to think about this. 
It goes on to say that this book is from the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. All three members of the Godhead have collaborated together to bring to us the book of Revelation. Would you say this is the most significant introduction to um, any of the books of the Bibles? By far. Yeah. By far. Mm. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit collaborating together is only found in a very few places in the Bible. Now, they collaborate together all the time. We know that. I'm just talking about places where they are collaborating together in the Bible. You've got in Genesis chapter 1 with the creation of the world. You've got it at the baptism of Jesus. You've got it at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you've got it at the Great Commission, uh, the foundation of the Christian church. That's it. Four places. It's hard, yeah. This is the fifth. And when you see this one coming in as the fifth, what you've got is this. God is placing... This book, in importance, in level of importance, right up there with creation, baptism of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, and foundation of the Christian church. And that's why we're so excited to study this for the next 12 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. Is, this is, there, there is nothing else like this you know, in, in the whole of Scripture. It is, it is so important, and I am so excited about it. Okay, so anytime we study the book of Revelation, we find that revival and reformation is the result. We were reading... Yesterday in verse 5. Do you want to read for us verse 5, please? Uh, And from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Okay. Oh, hang on, I didn't finish, sorry. All glory to him who loves us and and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Thank you. There's a number of things here that uh, the Bible says that is... um, that describes Jesus. You know, this is a, the revealing of Jesus. The first thing that we're going to look at is a phrase here, and I'm going to read it from the KJV. It says, the first begotten of the dead. What does yours say there? The first to rise from the dead. First to rise from the dead. Is that true? That's, I read this yesterday and I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> I let it slide then, but we're not letting it slide now. He wasn't the first person to come back from the dead, was he? Okay, so do we have a contradiction right where, okay, we've got this all this emphasis, this is the greatest book ever written kind of thing, um, and then in the Boom, next, lies. <laughs> yes, do we, do we have a contradiction right here? Was Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was the first begotten or the first raised from the dead. Is that true? No. Who was raised from the dead before Jesus? Moses. Moses. And there's a couple of people who cheated death, like Elijah and Enoch. Okay, a couple of who cheated. And then there was a well, widow's really son. Cheat. There's not cheating when God takes you to heaven. Yeah, true. Um, but they, was the they cheated death. The, the widow I mean. of Zarephath. The widow, yep. And then there was, uh, was it Tabitha? Okay, you got Dorcas? Tabitha? I can't remember which one it was, one of the two. That was after Jesus' death. Oh, that, oh uh. sorry, my bad. Um, Peter's mother? No, Peter's mother was sick, sick, but she didn't die. There was the widow of Nain's son. That's right, the widow's son, yeah. Lazarus, of course. Oh, yeah, I've got the... Oh, you you weren't thinking of Tabitha, you were thinking of um, uh, Jairus' daughter. Yes, that's right. Jairus' daughter. Um, and Basically, there's a whole lineup first. Well, not we a huge lineup. Resurrections are relatively rare. But, yeah, there's a significant considering lineup. Considering how rare there they are. There is the man, the unnamed man, whose body was thrown into a grave and landed on the top of the bones of Elisha. Oh, yeah, that guy. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is the most random yeah. resurrection yeah, yeah, you yeah. find anywhere in the Bible. It's just like, wow. I yeah. wonder if his bones were 3D printed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um <clears throat> 
that, that, and, and that's one that, you know, in my mind, you know, this was a time, of course, when, you know, Israel was in tremendous apostasy from God and God was trying to direct their attention to the message of Elisha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can imagine how that story went around uh, the nation in a very short space of time. Yeah, it's quite the uh, quite the campaign, really. Like oh, yeah. Advertising campaign. You would have sparked a lot of interest suddenly <laughs> in Elisha's work. Yes. A lot of people going back and saying, we need to know what that prophet had to say about you know, mm-hmm, certain things. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got a number of different uh, resurrections that take place before. So why does the Bible say he is the first? Yeah, I the don't know. The first begotten of the dead, the first raised from the dead. Is he the first one who raised himself from the dead? Well, I guess he can be the only one who can do that. Yeah. Because none of them did it by, uh, of their own power. Let me show you something Jesus because there's a, there's a very important aspect here of understanding the Godhead. Revelation chapter 1 actually teaches us a lot about the Godhead. Uh, and here's what it is. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me give you an illustration. Who's the first lady of the United States? Um, Melania, Melanoma Trump, whatever her name is. (laughs) Melania Trump, yes, you you can see that. Mon Mon keeps up with uh, world events right here. I knew it was something like Melanoma, okay. Mrs. Trump. Works in the media. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I knew, I knew who it was. I just, I get the, I get all the vowels mixed up with her name. Because you want to say Melanie, don't you? But it's not Melanie. Melania. Melania, there you go. So Melania Trump. She's Mm -hmm. the first lady. No, she's not. She's not? No, the first lady of the United States was um, some oh. random Indian woman who crossed the Bering Strait mm-hmm. and landed in Alaska a long time ago. Probably. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Or sailed across from Japan. Yeah, that woman. Whatever. Pocahontas, yeah. whatever her name is. <laughs> a little bit before Pocahontas. <laughs> Just a wee bit. <laughs> like a couple of thousand years. <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So why do we call Melania Trump the first lady of the United States? Because she's the current first lady. No, she's not the current first lady. The current first lady is the person who the, the lady who was just. Oh, born. because she's married to the prez. Okay, and why does that make her the first lady? Because he's the first dude. I don't know. I okay, don't, I'm not all American, right. Lyle. All right, all right. Here's I don't how, know works. How, this here's works. how it works. <laughs> Let me show you how it works. First in the English language can have two meanings. Okay, it, you can have first chronologically. Or you can have first in preeminence. Okay, yeah. And this is important because the Bible also says if you go over to where is it? Revelation chapter three. Um, uh, maybe not Revelation chapter three. Somewhere in here, anyway. The Bible also says that Jesus is uh, the first begotten, not just the first begotten of the dead, but the first begotten. Okay. Full stop. And so some people say, okay, then if Jesus was the... F- okay, so the word begotten means to be born, mm-hmm. the firstborn. So people say, okay, if Jesus was the firstborn and they then take that chronologically, the only conclusion that they can come to is that Jesus was born before any other birth took place. In other words, Jesus had a beginning. That's the conclusion that people come to when they read that Jesus was the firstborn. Ah, oh, but they're not—they're missing the point. They're the missing point the being whole that he point. was got of all the birth to do with that ever there was. His was the most important. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. It's got nothing to do with chronology. It is all about preeminence. And out of all people, was Jesus born? 
Yes, yes. he was. When was he born? He was born in 4 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jesus was born in 4 BC, was he the firstborn? No, he wasn't the firstborn chronologically. He was the firstborn in preeminence because no person who has, no being who has ever been born is greater than Jesus Christ. I, I would go so far as to say that his preeminence of birth and his preeminence in this resurrection lineup here is for the same reason because, um, you know, why was he the most important person to have resurrected from the, from, from the dead? Because he then had the power to save us. Why was he the most important person to be born? Because he was born, he had the power to save us. Absolutely. That's why he was preeminent. And that's why he's called the firstborn of the dead and the firstborn. Gotcha. Makes sense. Good. I'm glad that's clear. If you've got any questions on that, you know our number, 1-800-324-843. We would love to hear from you and uh, continue this discussion in more detail. All right, so moving on from there, um, Mon, in verse 5. Yes. Three things that verse 5 tells us about Jesus Christ. He's faithful witness. To, uh, he's a faithful witness. Okay, so he's a faithful witness. He's the first to rise from the dead. Yes. And he's the ruler of all the kings of the world. Okay, so you've got three things the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ. Read the next verse and tell me three things that Jesus will do for us. Uh, verse 6, he has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Oh, amen. sorry, I, we, we had to include the end of verse oh, okay. 5 as well. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So three things about Jesus. Uh, he's freed us from our sins. Yes. He shed his blood for us. Yes. And he has made us a kingdom of priests. Okay. All right, so it's interesting how the Bible kind of, you know, does this kind of thing where it works in threes and uses quite poetic language. Three mm-hmm. things that Jesus, uh, three things about Jesus. First of all, he is a faithful witness. Mm-hmm. And in my translation, the first thing that it says that he's done for us is that he's loved us. Amen. That's beautiful. Which is interesting when you contrast those two things together. Because if he is a faithful witness, then he is faithfully describing. Or faithfully, yeah, faithfully describing who we are. And we are not such great people sometimes. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, if Jesus is a faithful witness in my life, that's pretty embarrassing. And yet, he loved us. Mm. You know, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. While we were yet weak, he gave his life for us. And while we were his enemies, Jesus died for our salvation. It's very He's a faithful witness, knows exactly who we are. Nobody else on this planet knows exactly who we are. Jesus does, and he loves us more than anyone else on this planet. You think about that, because there are always things in you know your life, my life, our life, that we don't want other people to know about because we feel that they would love us less. And there is nothing in our life that can stop Jesus from loving us less. It's, it's such an incredible thought to ponder on. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next thing that the Bible says about Jesus is the one that we were just talking about where it says he was the first begotten or the first born of the dead, the first brought forth from the grave, first in preeminence. And that then correlates with you know what the Bible says uh, about the – so that's the second thing it says about Jesus. The second thing that Jesus will do for us is that he has washed us in his own blood, uh, washed us from our sins in his own blood, it says in my translation. And so when you put these two things together, Mon, this is the point that you were bringing out a moment ago. 
He was first in preeminence amongst those born. He was the first in preeminence amongst those resurrected because of what that birth and resurrection accomplished. It accomplished us being washed in his blood. Mm. Now, let's put these two things together that we have so far. First of all, he's a faithful witness. He knows exactly who we are. And despite knowing exactly who we are, he loves us. Then it says he is the one who was brought forth from the dead. So despite who we are, he loved us so much he gave his life for us so that when he looks at us and he sees our sin, he's like, yes, I can wash that all the way. You start to see how these 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 concepts are sort of, they're all intertwining with mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to dig into it. And then it goes on and it says that, uh, what's the third thing it says about Jesus in verse 5? In verse 5, uh, freed us from our sins, uh, shed his blood for us. Yeah, no, no, the, about Jesus, not what he's done for us. The first section there, so is the first begotten of the oh, dead. Oh, the first, uh, his faithful witness, uh, first rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. The ruler of the kings of the world, mm-hmm. okay? And then what is the third thing that Jesus will do for us in verse 6? Uh, he's made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. Okay, so he's ruler of the kings of the world and he makes us kings. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. To think about who who we are and that God loves us, he dies for us, he frees us. Oh, and then he makes us kings. Like, it just blows your mind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it reminds me of that song, uh, um, Who Am I? Mm-hmm. Um, how does it go? Who, who am I that, you know, God would die for me? I can't remember. It's a powerful, powerful song. It's just amazing. But, um, you know, what makes me so important that the ruler of the universe would give his life for me. You know, it's yeah. worth it's worth thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth thinking about. Okay, so let's let's summarize what we have so far. The Bible tells us this is the revealing of Jesus Christ. This book is the revealing of Jesus Christ. It has this, he, he has autographed this book himself. It is his personal testimony. Um, there is a special blessing pronounced upon it. Um, this is a collaboration of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible then goes on, having stated all that, to tell us three things about Jesus and three things that Jesus will do to do for us, and it's all about his love for you and I and his sacrifice on Calvary for our salvation. Okay, now the Bible changes tack quite suddenly. Verse 7. Please, Mon. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Okay, so he's got the Bible. The Bible has been, you know, emphasizing who the book is from, emphasizing the importance of the book, uh, giving us an introduction unlike any other introduction to any other book anywhere in Scripture. Now what the book does is it references the content of the book. So, so far, all the Bible is telling us is how important the book is. This is the first verse that actually speaks to the content of the book. And when this verse speaks to the content of the book, what is it telling us? It's pretty weird because it says all the nations of the world are going to mourn him. You missed the best part. Don't go to the negative. But, but, but it's just... I'll get, we'll get there. We'll get okay, there. Fine. Let's have the good news first. Uh, he comes with the clouds of heaven. All right. So the first thing that the Bible says in the book of Revelation um, in relationship to the content of the book is Jesus is coming. Now you know what the entire book is about. It's all about the coming of Jesus. It's as simple as that. 
Now, tomorrow in your Bible study, you get to talk about, you know, those who mourn, etc., etc. Yeah, I was going to say, that's great. He's coming back. We have to talk about this mourning thing, though. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. But we've got all this emphasis, all to tell us that Jesus is coming back. That's what the whole book of Revelation is going to be all about. That's why I'm so excited about it. This is Matt Mayer. You are my joy. You are my song. You are the way. The one I'm drawing from You are my refuge My whole life long Where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And where I feel all along Your love defends me Your love defends me Yeah Day after day Night after night I will remember You're with me
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. And we are knee-deep in our encounter with God, our 20 million movement. So join us every morning. We're doing a study that 20 million other people around the world do simultaneously through the use of the same study guide. There's four study guides released every year, and at the moment we're doing the one for January, February, and March. If you'd like a copy of that, you can give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and we'll let you know how you can get your own copy and follow along with us. Okay, so we were talking about uh, a moment ago before we went to the song break um, how we have now come to the theme of the song. Theme of the study. Theme of the study. I've got songs in my mind. <laughs> well, we did interview a uh, singer-songwriter. That's right, we did. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was great. Really and, liked it. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. We're, we just got uh, the details for an EP. Um, we're going to... Um, Mon, I just forwarded those through to you so you can, you can grab them, them oh, put them up on, on our, yeah, on our socials as soon as possible. I think there will be a lot of people who will be keen to uh, purchase that I was album. quite astounded that she was only 17. I listened to this... Because we played the song before and after her interview... And the one before was like really good. And then I found out she was 17 in the interview. And I listened to the next one. I'm like, it's just so much better when you realize how young she is. Yeah. Just, just a lot of gravitas to her voice. And the lyrics were really great as well. Yeah. Very talented individual. Absolutely. Praise the Lord for people who, who, who find out what their spiritual gifts are and who put them to good use hmm. for, the, for God. So yeah, it's good. It's always good. Yeah. Anyway, you had a you had a serious question here, Mon. Yeah, so we just went through uh, Revelation, uh, starting off in chapter one, verse one. We've been going down and looking at how amazing and wonderful everything is in Revelation. How we get this blessing, and it's you know so great, and you know who Jesus is and his character, and how he saved us, and how he's the first most important person. Blah 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 blah. blah. And then boom! Oh, P.S. We're all going to mourn. That's an interesting <laughs> thought. Okay, you may have overstated that slightly. What? I couldn't possibly. <laughs> let me uh, let me see if I can dig up a Bible verse for you. Um, and while I'm digging up the Bible verse, I have a question for you, Mon. Yes. The Bible says here in verse 7, who is it that is going to mourn? It says all the nations of the world will mourn for him, which is quite a, quite a juxtaposition. And we've just been... Who else? Um, who else it, is going to mourn? Uh, it's a tricky one. It's nothing about morning. It's like verse seven says, "Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, ah. and all the nations of the world will mourn for him." Yes, Amen. How does that happen? How do those that pierced him see him come back? Piercing, through resurrection. Explain. <laughs> through resurrection. Why is that? Why? why is that okay, but those who pierced Jesus. Yeah. Are those who are also mourning for Jesus? Wait, wait, wait. Let's discuss what piercing really means. Are we talking about the physical piercing when he was on the cross and people stabbed him with their swords? Or are we talking about every time somebody sins and that pierces his heart with pain? Like, which piercing do you refer This verse is specifically talking about those who crucified Jesus. Okay. So, so everyone, that's not that hard because we know that there's going to be a resurrection of the dead and he was the first one, the most prominent one um, of that bunch. And there's going to be a resurrection when he comes back. So why, you know, why is this blowing your mind? Well, it's like this, Mon. Yeah. When Jesus comes back, only the righteous are resurrected. So you're saying that some of them got converted? The uh, that that no, I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm actually saying that these are wicked people. Evil people. That are still alive? Every time we sing, we crucify Jesus. Like every time yeah, we, yeah, 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 trying to spiritualize this away. This is, this is, this is just no, because every every time we do sin, it, it is basically renailing to the cross because Jesus had to die to save us from our sins, to forgive us for, from our from our sins, right? So one sin would have caused him to have to go to the cross. So when we sin, that's causing him to go to the cross. So really, I'm as guilty as the people who were there at the time putting the nails through his hands. Of nailing Jesus to the cross. Okay. All right. Let me then show you another verse. Okay. This is Mon's spiritualizing efforts right here. <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good Let job, Let me I? take you to I just Daniel. want to say I think our listeners agree with me. <laughs> Let me take you to uh, in, in, enjoy your moment. <laughs> Let me just hang on to it. Why Daniel chapter 12. Let me challenge you one more time. Two more times yet. Okay. okay. Daniel chapter 12. Mm-hmm. Because there's something really, really like ooh, this you. is like this is some <laughs> potent stuff here. It's like when you when you when you actually see this, it hits you. It just it's like thud. It's not like smash. It's just you know or crunch. It's uh-huh. just a, a heavy thud. Like wow. Okay, so Daniel chapter twelve is where we're going, and why don't you read for me da, 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 verse two. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Okay, this is a description of, read verse 1, let's get a little bit of context here. What event are we talking about? At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Okay, so everyone will be delivered. This is the return of Jesus Christ. This is the mm-hmm. event that the Bible is talking about right here is the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's let's think about this in, in, in a little bit more detail. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, Those that pierced Jesus will see him come back. So you're saying that there's going to be a little special resurrection just for those who did the actual physical crucifixion. They get to pop up from the dead, see that the man they crucified has come back, and then they get... Redeaded. <laughs> Redeaded. Is this a word? It is now. Monikanese. This is, this is, this is Monikanese. Okay. <clears throat> all right. First of all, don't blame me. I'm not blaming you. The, you said, are you saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm just reading what the Bible says. I just got you read it. I didn't actually say anything. You just read the okay, Bible fine, verse. I'm blaming you. <laughs> you just read the Bible verse and then said, are you saying? And it's like, no, I didn't actually say anything. Is that what the Bible's saying? Okay. Right. Hold that thought. But here's what you have in verse 2. Very, very clearly, the Bible says that some of the people who will be resurrected will be resurrected to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. That's at the second coming of Jesus. Now, we know the resurrection of the of the wicked mm-hmm. does not take place until the end of the 1,000 years. The Bible is very, very, you know, the rest of the dead, yeah. the Bible says, don't live again until the end of the 1,000 years. Yeah. That's Revelation 20, verse 5. You can go read it for yourself. All right. But here we have wicked people, evil people, who are resurrected when Jesus comes back. Who could that possibly be? One more verse for you, Mon. Go on, hit me with it. Matthew. Matthew. I think we go to chapter 26 is where we're going for this one. Let's go over here real quick. Beat you. 
Yeah, you always do. Uh, let's go down to verse 63 and 64. 63 and 64 says, But Jesus remained silent. Then the high- By the way, just the background here, Jesus is on trial. This is the trial of Jesus. He's on trial for his life. Uh, just prior to his crucifixion, right? That's right. But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, you have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Oh, wow. Boom. Brain just exploded. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hey, okay, wow. Ever, didn't I tell you this one would hit with a solid... Thud. Yeah, yeah, that's a thud right there. That is a heavy, heavy verse. So Jesus prophesied it. So Jesus is standing there on trial for his life. Uh huh. He is the Son of God. He is the ruler and the creator of the universe. He has just been dragged backwards and forwards by an angry mob through the streets of Jerusalem. He has been beaten. He has been abused. He has been spat on. He is being treated like the worst criminal imaginable. And he stands right there in front of the high priest and he says to the high priest, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to resurrect you to see me come back. Wow. And that's what the Bible's talking about when it says those who pierced him. There's a heavy verse right there, but that's what will actually take place. Because 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Caitlin Clampett with Love Lifted Me. Here on Faith FM, we have come to the Q of the D, question of the day time, right here on Faith FM, where you get to yes, send your questions do. through. Don't forget to send us your questions. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Or message, message us through any of our social medias. Or text us on 0491-064-669. Go on, go on. <laughs> well, you can do what some people have done found me on Facebook Messenger and have been messaging me um, <laughs> just through, um, yeah, Messenger, <laughs> just randomly messaging me questions. It's all good. I love it. Send me questions. I will send them to Lyle. So today's question, Lyle, has come through my listeners, and the question is a bit of a, mm, a, a corker. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I be unequally yoked? Okay, so this is a really good question. It also comes out, um, I think the person's probably asking it as a result of some research showing that 50% of Christian young people have no issue with being married to a non-believer. Mm. Now, that's a really terrifying yeah, it is. Uh, statistic for people who are a little bit older like myself and have actually seen the results of what happens when this takes place. In fact... It's almost beyond terrifying that people would consider such a thing. This is like the worst possible decision that you could ever make. Getting married and the person that you marry is one of the biggest decisions that you make and it can make you or it can break you. I think we all understand that and so we understand the importance of getting it right when you come to get married. Okay, so this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't team up, don't be united with those who are unbelievers. Do you want it more plainly written than that? The Bible says, don't do this. So why would you do it? It goes on. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things, and I will welcome them, or welcome you. I'll be your father, you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. If you are in a relationship with a if you are a Christian person in a relationship with a non believer, today is the day. If you're not married to this person, Today is the day to break up with them. It will not get any easier. And every day you put it off, it will get harder. You need to use one of these right now. Get on the phone. Make that phone call. I am dead serious. From what I have seen, the fulfillment of what the Bible says right here, when Paul makes this statement under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is God speaking to us. God is saying this because he loves us. You're going to have two results if you marry an unbeliever. One is that that unbeliever is going to drag you away from God. Your love for that person and your desire to make that marriage relationship work will force you into compromises you never dreamt possible. Don't go there. The other scenario that I have seen played out many, many times is that the marriage just tears itself apart and there is nothing more destructive to human beings, to the human soul, to who you are as a being than a marriage breakup. This is an experience that you never, ever, ever want to go through. 
under any circumstances. And you are setting yourself up for a world of pain and hurt if you become united with an unbeliever. That's why the Bible says, in the simplest possible language, don't do this. I guess it seems so hard for young people to believe because they're in that first flush of young love and everything seems so rosy romantic. Oh, we'll be together forever and we'll be able to overcome anything. But the reality is... Mine, you had a relationship once with a non-believer. I did, yeah. Would you ever go back there again? Never, never, ever, ever. I would literally rather die. <laughs> like it was it was such heartbreak and pain. Um, thankfully, we didn't get married, but it was one. It, yeah, probably the worst decision I ever made in my life and I truly regret it. And um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, uh, we have... Um, we have writings that uh, in a wonderful book uh, about living in a Christian home, and it says if you ever want to live in a in a home where the shadows are never lifted, marry an unbeliever. Mm, mm, and that's that's the simple reality. Don't go there. Don't even consider it. This is probably you know to, to, to even think about it. Worst decision possible. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call. Our number, of course, is one eight hundred Faith FM.
faileth never Good shepherd may I sing your praise Within your house forever Within your house forever That was I Am They with King of Love here on Faith FM. We've come to the end of the show. We're about to give something away that we've been talking about all the way through the show. We have had a little bit of a theme on challenging young people to do dangerous things for God. One of the very politically incorrect in today's world where we wrap our youth in cotton wool and, you know, as a result, we're losing our youth left, right and centre. Yeah, because it's not a real experience. That's the problem. Like the kids these days and you they can imagine, face real life and they're they in want, trouble. They want authenticity. They want something real. They want something to die for. Like that's the craving of most humans. They don't want this fake existence. They just, they want something real. And if, if it means something to die for, then great. And I think we have to also remember that just because we're missionaries, that God calls us to be missionaries, doesn't always mean the extreme when we're called to Somalia. No, that's not we right. We're missionary yeah. in our own backyard. Most of us are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. We just- and how many times have you been? How many times have you suddenly become silent when you could have talked about your Christianity? That's it. That's right. You know, and we talk about yeah, let's go to Somalia and give our lives for Christ, and yet we won't even talk about Jesus on the train. Yeah, that's right. That's right. exactly. Well, this is a DVD. It's called Tortured for Christ. I just want to read out the little blurb on the back because it's just incredible. Uh, it's, a, it's a true story. Pastor Richard Wurmbrunt, he suffered 14 years of imprisonment and brutal torture while his wife, Sabina, was treated as a slave in a labor camp. Their only crimes were their faith and witness for Jesus Christ. Through it all, they loved their enemies and sought to win their torturers for Christ. Filmed entirely on location in Romania, including in the very prison where Richard endured torture and solitary, solitary confinement, this is a cinematic retelling of one of the most powerful, inspiring, and historically significant significant testimonies of all time. That's what we're giving away today. All you have to do is be the first person to call through right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, and we will send you this copy for free. I've seen the movie. It is gritty. It is impacting. It was filmed on site. You mm-hmm. go into the actual cells where these things, these events took place, and it will. you will not be the same again after you watch this movie. So give us a call now. 1-800-324-843 is the number, and you can have Tortured for Christ for free. We look forward to joining you again tomorrow morning. Wonders brought